you don't have to be the dad who's like always disappointing his kid. You don't have to do that. It can be okay. You can still be a dad and a musician. And of course, I mean, it's just stupid. Like everybody is. Many musicians are parents. All parents have issues of balancing work and life and family life. As musicians, we think we're quite special and it's all very different, but it's not really. You know, it's all the same. You know, everybody fights these same battles. Like, am I a good enough parent? Do I spend enough time? Do I give enough of myself? Welcome to Shotgun Story, the podcast that has conversations with indie creators about music, meaning, and the point of it all, so that you may be inspired by the journeys of other artists who are doing it for themselves, and maybe gain a little more understanding as to why it matters quite so much that you keep creating. There is so much to understand about what it means to have a career as an independent artist. And when you add children to the mix, it can become a little more complex. To help keep you creating, we're excited to bring you this 10-part series, focusing particularly on being a parent in the music industry. This project is made possible with support from the Music in Africa Foundation, the German Federal Foreign Office, Siemens Stiftung and Goethe Institute. As a musician and a parent, I know firsthand some of the challenges faced, and so these conversations have been really eye-opening. And remember to go to shotcantori.com for bonus behind-the-scenes content from today's episode, as well as to explore the other conversations in this series. Justin Sassman is a musical contractor a hustler and a charlatan, a jack-of-all-trades and a brass player. He's an educator at Northwest University in Potchefstroom. He plays in a band called Bomb Shelter Beast, and he also plays in the local orchestra. And he's in studio. Hi, welcome. Somewhat. Hi, thanks for having me. Nice to see you again. So why music? What drew you here? Why music? I guess, this sounds weird. Not that it was a calling or anything, but it just I always knew that it would be something that I wanted to do or could do. So... You know, when you're a kid, you know, kids all have this, actually. You kind of see something and go like, oh, I can do that. My son had a play date yesterday. This little girl was like, I can play piano. I wish I had a piano. Yeah, I'll show you the piano. You know, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I quickly grabbed a MIDI keyboard, hooked it into my computer. And then she was like, see, <laughs> I can play the piano. So kids are always like that. You know, like they just think they can do something. Yeah. But I knew when I was a kid, I was just like, oh, I could sing that solo or I, I could do that, you know. So since probably at least like standard one Am I aging myself now? What was that at what? <laughs> Probably, yeah, seven or eight or nine or whatever that age is. Yeah. Kind of knew that music was just something I, as life went on, you know, you kind of get it educated out of you. You kind of go like, oh, no, I need to be a doctor, lawyer or something else, fireman, pilot. Yeah. And then when I was in high school, around about standard eight, and everybody was kind of getting real serious about like, oh, I'm going to study. What was everybody studying when I was in high school? Not actuarial science, but yeah, actuarial science. Everybody's studying XI. All like the smart guys are like, that's what you need to do. That's how you, and I was like, okay, okay, well, yeah, I, I guess that's probably what I have to do. And then I was really enjoying the music I was doing. And I just kind of thought, well, I can get back to actuarial science. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's rather do the music thing. And yeah, never look back. And to give context mm -hmm. to anyone listening who is not familiar with you and your music, what are some of the highlights of your career? I'm a very weird person in that like, I don't try to put one or other thing above or below anything because then you miss out on all the cool stuff. Mm -hmm. So some of the highlights, I guess, has just been the simplest little gigs in somebody's garden, like over COVID or a restaurant gig with no profile, nothing. But then there's also been like, I suppose when you say highlights, I'm assuming you mean like high profile gigs. Like you said, I played in the orchestra in Cape Town and there was some 
really, really big Russian conductors who came through and conducted the orchestra. And we did some serious work like Shostakovich, was it Seventh Symphony? I think it was Shah 7, yeah. And I mean, it was just insane. The Cape Town City Hall, you know the stage in Cape Town City Hall? Yeah. So that was so full that all the brass were sitting in the choir stalls behind. There's that sort of raked seating behind. So that's where the brass was. You know, all the woodwinds and the strings were down on the actual stage. It was just an epic, epic production. It was huge. And that was real fun to do. You know, yeah. we played Festive Overture as well. So it's been things like that. And then also playing at the North Sea Jazz Festival is also hip. I'm still in college. Do you remember this funk guy who played organ who did the Also Sprach Zarathustra, Diodata? Uh-uh. You know 2001 Space Odyssey, the movie? Boom, boom, boom. Yes. So there's a funk version of that. So that guy came out and they, they got a couple of us to come play with him. So that was also a real baptism of fire into the whole scene. Everything can be a highlight if you want it to be. 100%. You know? So it just depends on yeah what you look for, I guess. For me, everything's been great. You know, It really has been, yeah. Oh. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's easy to get stuck in the thing like, oh, I don't want to be here. But if you think back 10 years, you would have killed to be in the position you're in now. Yeah. Or maybe not, but most people, you know, like doing the things. I remember sitting in the pits down, the, the orchestra pit, not like a, the pit of doom, like not, <laughs> not in a cesspool of whatever, but like in the orchestra pit and the ballet dancers are thumping up and down and the dust is coming through. And I can't remember what it was, but for some reason, everybody was just on such a downer. And I remember sort of getting sucked in. You go into the spiral and, yeah. and then chatting to my mates. You know, I suppose that's the thing is you need to have people you can touch base with and be real with. And he's like, this is the dream. You know, we've got the only orchestral jobs in the town. You know, one of three full-time orchestras in the country. There are kids out there by the thousands who would love to get the gig that I've got. And I'm busy going, this sucks. Yeah. You know, like it's so stupid. What's the old joke? How do you get a musician to complain? It's like giving him a gig, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's that sort of thing, you know, like it's hard to appreciate one without the other. Fair if that makes so. sense. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so somewhere along the line, along this meandering, beautiful music career of yours, you decided to have children. Well, decided is a strong <laughs> word. <laughs> Actually, that was one of the things that was dragging me and my mates down in the Cape Town Orchestra is the music life. It's not a conventional one, the working musician's life. I always had my mates who, I mean, I had a friend who adopted quite young. I mean, he was, I think he was just out of university. So he would have been mid-20s and him and his, his wife adopted. Suddenly he was coming to orchestra like a place where he would, you know, this is what he wanted to do. But like before he left, he was having this whole little internal battle going like, hey, dad, can you come and play? Oh, you're in black. Oh, you're going to work. So I oh, don't worry. And that like broke his heart. He ended up leaving the orchestra very shortly after that. He'd like resigned and went to go and find another, which also took up a lot of his time anyway, another profession. I made that decision then like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. You know, I don't know if I could be a dad that has to leave his kids all the time, you know. Mm. And then as life gets in the way, life happens while you're making other plans. We fell pregnant. We had Daniel and everything changed. I was like, oh, so it doesn't have to be like that. You don't have to be the dad who's like always disappointing his kid. You don't have to do that. It can be okay. You can still be a dad and a musician. And of course, I mean, it's just stupid. Like everybody is. Many musicians are parents. All parents have issues of balancing work and life and family life. As musicians, we think we're quite special and it's all very different, but it's not really. You know, it's all the same. You know, everybody fights these same battles. Like, am I a good enough parent? Do I spend enough time? Do I give enough of myself? All these sorts of things. Forget what the question was, but um, somewhere along the line, yeah, we, we, um, Pippa always wanted to have kids. So we did eventually wind up on that path and we have two now. So Daniel is six, turning seven in about a month. And Miles is, well, he's turning two on Friday. Yeah. Wow. So you are in the thick of it. I guess so. Yeah. I suppose you could say. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean in the thick of it? <laughs> Your children are young. Oh, uh, yeah. But that's the best time, isn't it? I have nothing to compare it to yet. 
<laughs> but no, it's good. I mean, it's it's easy to miss. You blink and now he's almost two. Oh my gosh, you know. So now is the best time. It's just gone so quickly. I can't believe he's two and he's talking. And he's like making coherent arguments against me. You know, it's not the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> anyway. It is a joy. I suppose now, anyway, mm. is the best time at any point. Oh, yeah. You mean uh, with the current... Uh, no, I mean, in living in the present moment <laughs> is the best time. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the all there really is. Yeah, A mm. thousand percent. Mm. A thousand percent. Wow. <laughs> sure. Factors of 10 going here. <laughs> <laughs> you are the only person to call me on a thousand percent, which obviously is not a thing. Oh, yeah. A thousand out of a hundred is normal, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk, in fact, about how do you feel that parenting has impacted your career? Oh, okay. Wow. That's like such a multifaceted but simple question. <laughs> I suppose it depends on the sort of parent you want to be. Also depends on the sort of career you want to have. So I guess it depends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think the way it's affected me specifically is I've had to sort of realize it's not that important that gig or that audition or that show or that recording you can screw it up or whatever it is you're going to come home and you've got your kid and they still love you despite the fact that it wasn't a resounding success as a matter of fact they probably think you're amazing for whatever you've done so kind of just put things into perspective for me i mean all the things that we think are important aren't really yeah maybe they are important for certain people or for certain things or maybe for certain career goals but at the end of the day that's not really the biggest thing in your life i suppose the obvious thing is that it's a time thing it takes what a village to raise a child you know and we don't live in villages anymore you know we're very isolated as a society parents wise you lose all your friends the minute if like you, <laughs> you know what I mean like suddenly all your friends are still out partying and whatever and you're like no no um, you go ahead I, <laughs> I got some things you know so you got to put in that extra time that you would usually have had of the rest of society and then of course that also takes time away from your craft I mean, I'm a real weirdo. Like, I love just sitting with an instrument and making a sound. Literally just making a sound. It doesn't have to be a melody or whatever. Just start by making a beautiful sound. Mm. You know, it can be one note or whatever. And that takes time as well. It just puts everything in perspective. Like, I love doing that, but I also love spending time with my kids. And then I suppose the other thing is also it's, and this goes, like I said, for everybody, when you have kids, you know, you, you kind of become more aware of yourself, I think. Because, I mean, it's so easy to see yourself in your kids. Everybody goes, oh, he looks like you. And you go like, oh, you know, <laughs> so he's got your mannerisms. And you go like, oh, that's either a good or a bad thing. I'm not sure. You see yourself and you see yourself reflected. So now you've got to realize like, okay, everything I do, I do it for you. No, everything I do is, <laughs> is going to be mirrored to me. You know, like, why is he throwing tantrums whenever? Oh, oh, oh. No, that's from your side of the family. No, you know, <laughs> but, but that's the thing. So now you've got to be, okay, who do I want to be? And then that comes across to my music as well. Do I want my sons to see me as somebody who gets up in the morning and goes and works on something? A lot of kids don't see their parents get up and go and do something. Mm. They see their parents disappear and they go to work or whatever. Okay, maybe now they see their kid, you know, because of the lockdown, work from home sort of thing. They don't see parents doing that. So a lot of kids grow up with this expectation that something just happens, you yeah. know. Or, I mean, there's a big culture of, oh, my time is coming, you know. Or... You know, and it's like, well, you've got to make your time come. You know, you've got to work through it. You've got to spend the hours relentlessly pursuing your craft, whatever that may be. You need to have your kids seeing that as well, whether it's music or it's something else. You know, your kids need to know that you sit and do something. It doesn't just happen. You don't just get a piano. You don't just buy one, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a couple of things how parenthood has changed my career a bit. I mean, obviously, I take less gigs now. Also, I'm more selective of what I do, which is also pretty cool. I mean, not that anybody can be selective during COVID, yeah. but uh, I mean, it's been six years now. I mean, uh, I, I got to a point like, I don't want to sit on this stage with these people and this mindset doing these things 
simply for the however many rand at the end of the day. Mm. You know, I'd actually rather be at home with my family. That was a big shift for me, you know, choosing what I want to do as opposed to doing stuff just because, well, you know, if I don't do it, somebody else is going to do it and then I'm not going to get the gig next time and then this and then that, you know. So now it's a case of like, well, I'm going to choose what I want to do and really enjoy that and rather spend my time with my family, you mm. know. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, it was a big change and it's a good change as well. I think everybody should be like that as musicians and I suppose as contract artists or freelancers or independent artists or whatever it is, we're always thinking, oh, I've got to do the next thing. I've got to do the next thing. I've got to... And then you end up doing a whole lot of things that don't mean anything. Yeah. As opposed to just going, I'll do a couple of things to get in the scene and know people. I'll do things for friends. I'll do things, you know, and then go like, well, this is something I actually really want to nurture and grow and release and, you know, see where that goes. You know, I think that's really important for us as artists, whatever the case may be, you know, music, visual, whatever. Being brave enough to choose takes a very high level of self-esteem. Hmm. Or just idiocy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a combination. Yeah. Do you think that having kids raised your self-esteem or have you always been this way? I think that self-esteem is actually not about self, the way most people see self-esteem. The way they see self-esteem is how other people see them and that improves their Mm self-esteem. So if you get validation from outside, then my self-esteem improves and then, and I don't see it like that at all. You know, it always comes from self. So whether... Somebody that I respect and love says to me, you know what, that was terrible. And I go, well, that's something I really like. I mean, I've done, as a musician, I've done a lot of things that people just go, I mean, not necessarily projects or whatever, but just working on things that people go, why are you working in that? You're never going to play that. Mm. Why are you working on Prokofiev's Fifth Symphony, the tuba part? You're a trombone player. Well, I want to. You know, it's cool and it's beautiful. Oh, you're stupid, you know, or why do you do those? Why do you? And, and now, sort of like however many years later, everybody goes like, how do you do that? You know, so it changes from why do you do that to, oh, how do you do that? How did you get there? Not that I got anywhere that anybody needs to be, but I got to where I am by doing the things I want to do. Mm. And I think that's important. And that's where your self-esteem comes from. Knowing that in your moments of quiet and your moments of insecurity that you're doing what you love to do or what you want to do, even though everybody else thinks you shouldn't be, you Mm. know, and it almost always leads somewhere, I think. Oh, I mean, I really need to hear everything that you're saying at the moment. <laughs> okay, well, it's a good thing you're recording it. You can listen to it again <laughs> later. <laughs> Repeatedly, thank no, you. No, please don't. <laughs> Do you think that uh, having kids changed your fans' perception of you? Oh, fans. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose yes and no. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there who have no idea that I've got kids. When you say fans, I mean, just mean audience members or whatever, and it, mm. it means nothing to them and it's not going to change anything to them. Like I said, I was in education is really a strong thing for me. So I try and work as much with young people or not necessarily young age wise, just young musicians, musicians who are not very experienced, you know, so people still either starting out or still looking for ways to anybody's still willing to learn, really. And I think that's probably changed the way I teach having kids and the way I engage with people Mm. has changed because of my kids uh, somewhat. And then the other thing is also when somebody knows that you have a kid, they kind of just see you differently. Like, oh, you're a dad. And there's this one guy who, he heard that my son's name was Daniel. And then he's like, oh, Daniel's son, like Mr. Miyagi. So I became his Mr. Miyagi because <laughs> I had a Daniel son. So it's kind of like just the way people see you. It's interesting. Suddenly you've got a, a whole, like I said, you lose a whole lot of your friends from the other scene. You just suddenly enter into a whole different community, you know, mm. which is also cool. I think it's great just by being a dad. Yeah. It's like a club. Yeah, it is kind of. What are some of the challenges you face on a day-to-day basis balancing parenting with your career in music? 
So it's really hard for me to think about this from right now because at the moment I'm not doing any gigs mm. at all. Well, I mean, I've had one or two, but they've started coming out again. But for the last two years, it's been pretty much nothing, you know, since March 2020, was mm. it? Yeah. Oh, it was so weird. We were sitting in the pit and there was a ballet going on. And then we got a message saying, okay, this is your last gig. There was like another week of ballet happening. And they're like, okay, get your stuff out. I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of weird. And I didn't play a gig for, you know, ages. I didn't go into work for like a year. Yeah. You know, it was weird. Um, so it's hard for me to kind of put that into perspective to remember from back in the old days. So it's been great now <laughs> yeah. to see my kids. Um, but in, I think... Obviously, the time thing, picking kids up from school, dropping them off at school, it's like such a mundane, but now suddenly you've got a rehearsal there or a studio recording there or something else, or maybe you're out of town free. Suddenly, it's, you just can't just do the simple little things that a parent has to do. I mean, for me, it was really not difficult, but it, kind of strange to many mornings. I used to get up and make breakfast or whatever, shower, get dressed and leave before anybody was awake because that's just when I could do the work that I needed to do. So that was really difficult. Now I find it difficult getting up at normal times. But anyway, yeah, I think the, the weird thing, just making time and scheduling things. I mean, it's just a logis- I know it sounds terrible, the logistical thing. But like I said, since I've started cutting down on gigs and whatever, just spending time with my kids is the right place to be. So yeah. Oh, the other thing that I'm, I'm really bad at is, I mean, you know, like when you've got a gig, you always want to hang out afterwards. Yeah. You know, like most people, they finish their job at five and then they only get to bed at, at nine, 10, 11, whatever, eight if they're like me. <laughs> but, you know, there's a good three hours after you finish your work. And as a muser, you finish at midnight or one, you hang out, even if you have like one drink afterwards at the bar or just hang out in like a short time, mm. it's super late when you get home. Yeah. So for me, that was the other thing is like, you know, just to tear yourself away. You don't have that disengage, the time of just like the debriefing after the gig and sitting and talking to the peeps, you know, and whatever. You got to go like, okay, actually, you know what? Tomorrow morning, I've got a play date with such and such or a birthday party. And like, you know what? Yeah, just a quick beer and then I'm going to run. Cheers, guys. Yeah. And that's always really hard for me. That was hard, you know. I know it's, it sounds like a strange thing to, to mention, no. but yeah, that was weird. And the other thing is obviously, like I mentioned earlier, putting in enough time to hone your craft. I mean, as a musician or as a person, I think in general, the more or the sooner you stop working on yourself or developing yourself, whether it's your trombone playing or your singing, guitaring, whatever it is, or painting, drawing, video editing, whatever it is, the less time you spend on that or the less time you spend developing those skills, the more stagnant you get. And then the, I think you become a worse, for lack of a better word, person and parent. So I find myself, if I don't have something, if I'm not growing in some way, if I'm not learning something new, then I will become a frustrated parent, mm. you know, instead of being the sort of parent I'd like to be. Those are the challenges, I think. There are probably more, but I'm just not thinking of them right now. Yeah. No, yes, especially mm. that last one. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> so how do you do it? What is your support system like? Support system? What's mm. um, <laughs> My underwire? No. <laughs> um, so Philip, you've met Pepper. She's amazing. She is my girlfriend, my love of my life, and mother of my kids. And as much as somebody who's not in the industry doesn't get what you're doing, when you're involved with somebody who doesn't get the entertainment industry, it doesn't get the music industry, it's difficult. You know, yeah. it's just like, oh, but, but you went out last night. Why are you getting out? But you already practiced today. Oh, but you've already, you know. Yeah. And then... Because she's just more mainstream, she's got a normal, well, normal-ish. Sometimes she has like late night gatherings and things that she needs to do for work. So she's really been the rock steady foundation of our family unit, just looking after the kids. She always jokes that if COVID didn't happen, I wouldn't know my younger son, you know, and she's not far off. It was a big joke. And then it was like, shucks, you're actually not wrong. I know him really well, you know, and he knows me really well because of this time. So we don't really have much other support. We have 
Pippa's family's here. Her mum and dad obviously help from time to time, picking up from school or taking them home after school. And you know, Daniel loves sitting on the couch with his granddad and hanging out and watching golf or whatever, eating chips. And so it's really cool to have that. Um, my folks are down in Cape Town, so they would love to be here and love to help out, but it's just not a not a thing. We've had somebody coming in to help as well with the kids at home, especially over the downtime. It was, you know, if I've got to do, you know, so I was teaching online as well as then you've got to record videos for tutorials and things and you got to, you know, come up with other things to do or like record stuff to send to studio, you know, whatever. So you're there, you're doing that and suddenly she's got a meeting there and then you've got a, a one-year-old and a, you know, or a newborn, you know, like it's not, it doesn't work. So yeah, we had somebody in for a short bit, yeah, over, over the last year, yeah just to help out with that. But it's, it's yeah, I mean, the support thing is, it's difficult. We actually need to just rely on each other mostly, you mm. know, yeah. And were you touring at all before this time? Not like, not like proper touring like rock bands do and whatever. Like I said, I'm an independent sort of like freelance, jack of all, master of, you know, <laughs> none sort of type. So I will, I will join that band on a tour for maybe just a couple of, the, you know, because not everybody wants a horn player on everything that yeah. they do. Or I'll go away for a week or I'll go away for maybe a couple of weeks or whatever it is. But it's never been like, okay, we're going to hit all of these towns and we're going to be gone for six weeks or, you know, whatever. I'm very lucky in that way. And I suppose that's also the work that I chose because I was always so jealous of my mates who'd go and they'd go across to to Asia and, you know, tour with a show and then they'd do something else on the side and whatever. You know, they go touring and then COVID hit and then everything stopped. And I was just like, okay, what do we do now, guys? Like got to find something else you know so my jealousy turned into like oh I'm so glad that I don't have to worry like that but that's also the thing I I chose not to do those because I I wanted to have my family life you Mm. know I I can't imagine being gone for I mean if I go away for a couple of days they look different you go like what are you doing are you growing are you bigger are you saying new words what is going on you know like I can't imagine being away for a month or six months which is common you know Mm. so so thankfully not not a lot of touring just the odd gig wherever up and down yeah Mm. Do you know of any support for parents in the industry from the industry? Wow. Well, the first thing that goes through my mind is, well, why isn't there? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know of anything. Is there anything? No, not that I know of. Yeah, I don't know of anything. I mean, the only, when you say support in the industry, from the industry, I mean, just mates and friends, you know, like I was having trouble. Pip had some stuff to do at work late at night and I had rehearsed at Marcus's house and I was like, you've kind of moved it a little earlier, you know, the rehearsal. I kind of can't make it. I've got these kids. And he's like, oh, well, such and such is here. Why don't we call in your mates are also, either if they have kids, they've got somebody looking after their kids, Mm -hmm. you know, or they know somebody who's great with kids or whatever. So it's always been something like that. When you say in the industry is, and I don't understand why we don't do this more. Like I know that mates of mine have kids, my kid's age, Mm -hmm. you know, just kind of like, okay, we've got a rehearsal. Let's organize something for them somewhere with someone to do. Or we've got a gig, let's organize a movie night with the kids and someone to, you know what I mean? Like, that would be so simple to do. And then it would be in the industry, like you say, from the industry, from ourselves. But I think that's the only thing is ourselves. We just kind of look after ourselves, each other, as much as we can, you know. And we need to do more of that. As independent, I suppose, entrepreneurs, business people, all of the above, it's so weird to me. Like, as musicians and as creators, we're like, everything is up to me. You know, like, if I want to earn, it's up to me. If I want to take a break, it's up to me, you know. But then there's some things that we are like, oh, but you don't do this for me. You know, we're so independent on other things and we could do these things for ourselves, you know, like childcare. I mean, how hard is that to organize in a band? Okay, maybe in a small band, it's not so easy to organize. If you know, like, okay, such and such and that person, that one, we're all doing and we've all got gigs. Okay, let's have some sort of rotation of something at someone's house. You know, we could do that. You know, we really should. It's a good idea. Yeah. 
don't steal my idea. No, <laughs> steal all ideas, please. No, that's yeah, that's something I think I'm, I'm going to pursue more. I think it's a good idea. Because also it just kind of normalizes the thing. Dad's or mom's away at night. It's kind of weird. All my friends' parents are at home at night, you know. Mm. Kids kind of pick up on these things and realize that they're different. And being different is not cool when you're five, you know. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. What do you think the industry could do to better support parents? The industry itself? Yeah, the music industry. Sure. I don't think the industry is a support group. I think the industry is there to make money, mm. you know. And that's why we're all moving away from the industry as such, you know. Yeah. I can't blame the industry for just going for the bottom lines and cutting costs and bean counting and all those sorts of things. I mean, I suppose there's a lot that could be done, you know. I mean, if you are a person who provides work in a certain sort of setting to maybe have that in mind, like, okay, I know that you have kids, you know, let's make a certain area of the studio available for kids. Or Because, I mean, I'm sure that it's not just you and me that have kids in, in the building today. I'm sure there are other people, you know. Yeah. I'm sure there could be a small room somewhere, some entertainment for the kids or something, or and just a nurturing environment. I sound like something strange now, but anyway, you know what I mean. That yeah. could be... And I think anybody could do that. I suppose we could do that, I suppose is what I said in the last <laughs> point. So we should be doing it ourselves, you know, and forcing people and saying, look, this is how easy it is. You can do it too, yeah. you know, at your studio, at your wherever. The trouble is that... Most sort of gig venues are not child-friendly environments. I guess we could try and strive to make them more child-friendly, which I don't think would be a bad thing for anybody. But I mean, when I was a, a younger musician, I did a lot of stupid things on gigs, you know, and <laughs> all of my friends did. And would I have done that if there were kids around? Yeah. Probably not. You know, if it was the sort of establishment where we'd feel safe taking our kids to be looked after, then I would behave differently as a 20-year-old, you know, I think. So, yeah, maybe the industry needs to clean up its act, really. How many musicians do we have to lose to stupid, you know, things before somebody goes, okay, let's, well, maybe this is the dad and me speaking, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Before the industry goes like, okay, well, you know, let's change this. Yeah. yeah. I don't know where it was. I read somewhere that people were trying to combine a music school and a venue, you know, like a concert venue, a gig venue. So like a concert, you know, maybe not a hall, not a jazz club, but you know, something, you know, and then they're going, oh, yeah, but then we can't have alcohol because of the kids. And I was like, oh yeah. And then I kind of stopped myself and I was like, why is that a problem? Is it a music venue? Is it a music school? Is it a performance venue? Or is it a place, a shabin or a, a tavern or a yeah. what? Why is that a thing? And I said, well, well, then leave the alcohol out. Oh, but we can't do that. You know, and I think <laughs> that's the thing. We've got to change our mindset, you know, yeah. on, the, on those things. Yeah. yeah, alcohol's a thing. A big thing, unfortunately. <laughs> do you think that being a parent has influenced your creativity at all? Yeah, I think you can't look at your... <sighs> I mean, I'm I just thinking of my kids. When something just snaps, then something clicks, they realize what your joke or your whatever. Whenever something makes sense to a kid, the eyes light up and the sparkle and the whatever. And then before I've even finished making my lame dad joke, and my son's got it, he's already come up with like a hundred different ways that I extend from that one simple thing that I said. So creativity is just a natural thing. And then I don't think we lose it. I think we try to lose it. We try to become more adult-like instead of more kid-like i've always been a bit childlike, so it's not hard for me to get back there yeah i'm one of those weird people who remembers being a kid mm. a lot of cats don't remember being five or three or whatever it is or even as young as the first i mean for those of us who've been fortunate enough to get music lessons do you remember your first music lesson do you remember what that feels like do you remember this you know what i mean all those things mm. we forget about that so then when you go and teach somebody for the first time you're coming from a completely different, you don't know what that guy's feeling or yeah. that girl is, you know, like the fear, the trepidation, the, I want to sound right. I want to get this right. I want to impress you. I want to make you happy as well. 
all the, I just, oh, I really just want to make a big noise on that thing. That's just so cool. You know, we forget about that and go, okay, no, 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 sit down. Your posture is such and such. Do this, hold it, hold it like this, do this, you know, put your hand like that. No. You know, and it's, that's not what you want in your first lesson. Mm. You know, I remember all of that. And now seeing my kids go through all of these, well, go through life, you know, I just remember what it's like to just be a kid. And I think that's an immensely freeing thing creatively, I think. Because when you get into the creative side of things, you're always going, well, not you're always. A lot of people don't. A lot of people just do it quite naturally. But a, a bunch of cats go, right, I need to write something. What am I going to write about? Who am I trying to reach? What's my audience? What is it? And you go, and yeah, it's important to have that. But I think there needs to be a balance. At some stage, you just need to have a bunch of limericks, you know, yeah. without r- bad words, you know, or whatever, you know, or just some silly rhymes, you know, revolting rhymes, you know, go roll doll or do something, you know, that just doesn't matter. And then maybe the next thing you do go, right, okay, I want to write for something. And I always find that the, the little bits of nonsense work themselves into things, you yeah. know, they either become something on their own or they become like, oh, that'd be a cool little background for this, you know, or oh, this weird bass line that sounds like a circus tune actually works quite nicely over this other thing. Yeah. Right? yeah. So I think that's important to have that childlike innocence, childlike wonder. Because why else are we doing it, you know? Yeah. The only reason we're doing this is, well, originally is because something was cool. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, wow, that's so cool. I'm going to get loads of chicks playing the tuba. <laughs> or, <laughs> wait, no. <laughs> or, or like, oh, wow, that sounds so cool. Or that looks like fun. Or, or that's nice, you know, and we forget that. And then we lose it. Yeah. And I think kids are an easy way. Not that I'm saying we should use our kids, but it's an easy way to, to, to get back in touch with that. And what does your son think of your music? The younger one, it doesn't really make sense. He just, he calls everything singing. Mm. He says, like, he puts, oh, well, that man's singing. You know, there's a, he picks up a tube and he's singing, singing the tuba, which is very sweet, which is actually pretty cool. I like that. I like, you know, so I told all my students, you know, they need to sing. My one-year-old says he need to sing. <laughs> my six-year-old, he thinks it's cool. It's again, it's that thing of like, I could do that. You know, I want to do that. So yeah, I think he enjoys it. He pretends to be a musician. I haven't forced any music sort of stuff on him yet. I don't want to force him to, to play or to whatever. But if he keeps going, you know, I'll encourage where, where needed. But he likes the whole idea that dad goes off and makes a noise with people. You know, mm. yeah. It's fun. I think that's the thing. It's, it's fun. Oh, your dad's a, a what? Oh, my, my dad makes a lot of noise with people. Yeah. <laughs> and dresses up funny. <laughs> Which is the truth. <laughs> and dresses up funny. For Bombshell the Beast, we dressed up strangely for a long time. We still wear these um, onesies now that are made out of shwe Yeah. But before that, it was just like... I don't know if I can say how Marcus described how we should dress, but anyway, he he gave us a like completely weird nondescript like dress up as this. Yeah. I'm like, huh? How do I dress up as that? And then people just came out. Every gig it got weirder and weirder. I dressed up as a Flintstone for a while. Mm. Uh, it was kind of weird. So yeah, and then I did some other things. I've done loads of things. Playing umpa gigs, we always dress up as a German sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there was this one. I still don't even know what it was for. It was on the Valentine's Day that Riva tragically died. So that's the only way, the reason I know it was Valentine's Day. I remember it was that day. The makeup artists were telling me, like, oh, did you hear, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay. And they're busy doing, and I mean, my hair is obviously quite distinctive. They started putting wax in my hair. And I was like, oh, okay. And then so completely by the end of the, the thing, my hair looked nothing like me. You know, you wouldn't recognize me. And then they started sort of putting some weird sort of makeup on my face. And I'm like, oh, okay feeling weird when I, no, 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 don't move. Oh, okay. And then they started sticking drawing pins to my face and then they spray painted it with gold. And then <laughs> we had to go do this music video. And I was like, okay, um, what is this for? I still don't know what it was for. All I know is Nati was there. He was doing his cool thing on the dicks. 
and we were just kind of like sitting there with drawing pins in our faces. And <laughs> so yeah, we we get it. We get to do a lot of weird things and dress up strangely a lot. Yeah, that's so fun. It is fun. No, it is cool. I'd love to know what that's for. Actually, I want to see that video. Anyway, local music recommendations. Oh dear, I hate this. Not because I, 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 I it sounds like I hate local music. Um, I, I hate music. My mom forced <laughs> me to play piano, and that's why I'm a musician. And I hate music. No, I, I hate recommendations because of the fact is when somebody recommends something to me, mm. they always hype it up, mm. you know, and they're always like, "Oh, you've got to." And then I listen to it, and I'm like, "Yeah." Mm. So I'm always worried that that's going to be me, like going, like, do that. And the reason is because they're in a certain space when they get into it, and I'm not in that space yet, you know. So, so instead of calling it recommendations, let's hmm? say, what are you listening to local at the moment? <laughs> I don't listen to music much because uh, the music I'm listening to at home is like kids' things, you know, yeah. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, narrated by whatever, and you know, like, all those sorts of things. I'm not listening to a lot of stuff that because you know. Uh, with the way things are right now, it's like, do you want to put on something that you really want to get into or do you want to put in something that the kids are going to be okay with? Yeah. You know, <laughs> so yeah. it's usually that, you know, you end up sort of driving around the car and then suddenly you've dropped the kids off at school, but you're still listening to the, the subject because you've left it. It's still on and you're like, oh, gosh. It's you know, really like, fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, the TV's on in the background and it's, you know, Paw Patrol or whatever it is yeah. it's on the TV and you're like, why is this on? The kids are in bed, you know? <laughs> yeah, so so that's what, what happens to me. But I mean, I'm more of a jazz sort of person. So I really like the local jazz stuff. I know uh, Brafe has got a new album out. I think everybody should check that out. I love the stuff that Bokani does. Bokani Dyer, he's uh, also a keyboard player. And Tandi Ntuli is a singer and keyboard player, actually. And she's doing some really cool, or she's always done some cool stuff. I mean, I could just go on and talk about random people. But then the thing for me about the local music scene is the young guys. So, I mean, to go to a jam session and check out these young guys like Simon and these young, young cats who are playing far beyond the capabilities of what I am now, let alone what I was when I was their age, you know. Mm. So I think what's cool for me is in the next couple of years, we're probably going to be hearing a really lot of hip young guys who are, you know, but I suppose every generation says that, you know. Everybody says that, oh, you know, when I was a kid, I couldn't do this. And all oh, the music's in the good hands with these, you know, youngins. And then the next generation says the same. And so don't listen to what I've got to say. You know, and I guess that goes with, with any advice, really, is don't just take advice blindly. Rather, just go and check it out for yourself. So for me, what I really like to do when I was busy looking for things to listen to is to go, I like that. And then I'd look for an interview with that person or depending on how old the music was, look at an encyclopedia, you know, and say, okay, this person derived their influences from there, mm. you know, and then you sort of just branch out like that, you know, and then you check out that person. It's like, oh, no, not so much. Maybe the next person, oh, that other influence. Oh, I like that. Okay, who are their influences? And so just to check that out. So, yeah, that's more, for me, like going backwards is more cool than going to what's new and what's hip, if that makes sense, yeah. Perfect sense. And mm. you've led us very nicely into the last little section. Uh-oh. <laughs> Advice. Advice. Advice for indie artists who want to keep making music and for indie artists who also want to have kids and keep making music. Well, indie artists, if you need me to give you advice on making kids, <laughs> um, this is neither the time nor the place. I don't think this is that sort of podcast, is it? <laughs> um, <laughs> not quite like that. Okay, no. So let's, let's do the first one. So ones who want to make music and keep making music. That's a really, really big and deep question. Again, it comes back to the self. Know yourself. Really know yourself well. But I mean, not just know yourself as in what you like and what you don't like. And, you know, oh, no, sushi, no. But, you know, deep fried sushi, yeah, okay. You know, like know yourself as in what am I really about? You know, what's important to me? 
And then also knowing what your strengths are and being honest about what they are. No time for false modesty in your own head. You can't waste time going, oh, you know, well, I, I suppose I'm okay at that. You know, you've got to be, you know what? I, I can play trombone well. You know, I can do this well. I'm a horrible administrator. Be honest about what needs improvement in your life and in your music. And then work on those things. Sure, it's, I mean, there's so much to say. When I say get an education, I was about to say get an education, but I don't mean go to an educational institution and get an education. So at the start of lockdown, I had to figure out how to record myself and how to do... I'd never been interested in that before. I'd seen microphones and stages and, you know, I know what they are now thinking back. You know, so get to know all of those things as well. But the way I had to get to know that was I started Googling and then you get a whole lot of horrible information. And the more you read, the more you know. And now I know that most of my assumptions from before were completely not applicable to me. And most of the assumptions that I had at the beginning of like when I was really getting into it are also not really applicable to brass playing, you know? So the more you read, the more you know. So spend the time. So again, it comes back down to time. And then, like I said, I had to learn about the sound side, the technical side. So as an independent person, if you're going to be recording yourself or maybe you're lucky you do know somebody who's got a studio, but if you don't, then you need to learn about that. Learn about production, learn about audio production, learn about sound production live as well because maybe you're doing a gig somewhere and you've got to do your own live sound. So know the industry inside out. Know where your place is in it and where you'd like to go. Because if you're just going to go floundering around, you're not going to end up going anywhere. You're going to go in circles. So if you know, actually, you know what? I want to produce my own music. I want to do this. I want to do that. Then you know, okay, so I need to work out how I'm going to do that. How am I going to create a saleable product? How am I going to do all those things? Mm. And then where am I going to sell it? How am I going to sell it? Who am I going to sell it to? Am I going to spend all that money on CDs and sell them at my gigs? Or am I going to go and stream Spotify, Apple? And then working out Bandcamp. Yeah. You know, all these things, like there's loads of them. How do you choose which one, you know? So work out which one would better reach who you think your audience might be. And also don't assume that you, I suppose that's it. Probably straight after the knowing yourself, don't assume anything. Don't assume too much. And do the research. Where do you get the most money from streaming? So know the industry is, I suppose, a really big thing. It's a hard thing to do. And that's what I mean by getting education. You can go into a library and work out how. There's a book on music industry. Oh, I've forgotten what it's called now. It'll come back to me. It's in its like seventh edition already. Go and check out a book on the South African music industry, you know, wow. on what are your rights? How do you make money? Where do you make money? Publishing rights? Are you publishing music? Are you writing music? Are you just broadcasting? You know, all these things. So, you, so basically what I'm saying is know yourself, know your industry, get good at all of it. And I suppose more important than all of that is have fun. You know, we all got into this because we wanted to, you know, have fun. For me, like a live gig anyway, or even a recording or whatever, it's, it's always just a bunch of peeps up against the wall playing music yeah. and having fun. Whether it's up against the wall in a rehearsal or in a studio, rehearsal venue, in a studio space, a recording studio, if it's a concert hall or a pub or whatever, it's just always a bunch of guys up against the wall, usually up against the wall, because that's usually what they do with us. You know? they, they don't. <laughs> Actually, once or twice I've played a gig where the audience is all around us. There's a couple of gigs I've played like that, which is also quite fun. But um, also quite, you know, like exposing, you know, like you always got quite a, like self-aware of like, oh God, they're staring at my ass all the time. Anyway, <laughs> um, but it's no more than that and it's no less than that. Yeah. You know, if it's a gig on a really high profile stage, it's still just a bunch of guys standing up in the corner of a place and people listening to them making music. And if it's a really gig that you think is crummy, still it's a bunch of guys standing together. And if you can enjoy that, you can enjoy making music. You will find a way to make uh, your living with this, I believe anyway. Beautiful. Mm, and you. for those wanting to have kids? Say so do it, don't do it. Oh, the other thing about if, if you want to do music, make sure, and the same thing goes with kids. It's the same thing. If there's anything else you'd rather be doing, don't do that. Don't be a musician. If there's any, like, one little thing, if you maybe you'd like to be a baker, race car driver, whatever, mechanic, whatever it is, rather go and do that. If you'd rather do that, if there's a small chance that you might rather do that than music, 
I'd rather go and do that, yeah. you know, because you need to love what you're doing, yeah. whatever it is. And the same with kids, you know. Are you 100% sure that you want to have kids? Then do it. If you're really sure you don't want to have kids, don't do it. Yeah. If you have kids and you're wondering, like, how do I balance this, whatever? Well, I mean, you're there. Do it. Just enjoy it and do it and love it. Like, again, it comes to your preconceptions. If you've decided that you're a terrible dad or you don't want to be a dad or whatever, then you're going to hate being a dad, Yeah. right? If you've decided, okay, well, preconceptions out the door. I'm in this to win it. You know, let's do this. Have fun. You know, you can have so much fun being a dad, you know? Or a musician or, or a nut dad, you know? Yeah. If you think being a dad or mom is going to fill a space, then that's also probably another thing. You know, I know a lot of people who we've been dating for a couple of years, we should get married now. Then they get married and it's like, okay, oh, it's wonderful. And then marriage is really lonely because now suddenly it's just the two of you in your whatever living space and, you know, people kind of leave you alone to be married, <laughs> you know? And then it's like, oh, you know what, kids, that's what they're right, you know? And then the madness of the first kid happens and you're still not happy. And you think, okay, now it's just calming down a little bit. And you think, okay, shucks, we're still not happy. Oh, we need another kid. We need a little brother or sister for yeah. our little kid. You know, that, that's not the right thing. You know, yeah. I think you should have kids because you really, really do want to have kids. And you need to be honest about why that is. I think a lot of people aren't honest about why they want to have kids. But either way, if you have kids or not, just love them and have fun with them and show them all of you, which I suppose is part of your musical thing. You know, yeah. you can't hide that anymore your moments sitting alone and with a guitar or, you know, you let your kids see the vulnerable side. So yeah, advice, do it if that's what you want to do. Wonderful. <laughs> and how can people follow you on social media? Oh, I'm really terrible on social media. Okay. I'm really the worst. I mean, I don't really want to be a personality of any sort, mm -hmm. you know. That's why I've always done the, the behind the scenes -y background while playing a horn section behind somebody rather, you know. Um, so no, I don't really do much social media. But you can check out the Bombshell to Beast. Mm -hmm. They're on Facebook and Instagram. I don't think they're on Twitter. They might be, but they're definitely on Facebook and Instagram. Bombshell to Beast is fun. You can check out Brass Collective is a sort of brass-only band that I play with sometimes. They're also on Facebook, I think. I'm so bad at this. I'm really <laughs> terrible. The Johannesburg Philharmonic Orchestra is also on Facebook, which also is a great band. Uh, those are some of the most of the, of the stuff that I'm involved in. If you want to follow me... Don't. <laughs> this has been wonderful. No, thank you. Yeah, oh. thank you for having me. I hope somebody's gotten some use out of this. <laughs> this episode was made possible by the Music in Africa Foundation, the German Federal Foreign Office, Siemens Stiftung and Goethe Institute. The Music in Africa Foundation is a pan-African non-profit organization based in Johannesburg, South Africa, with satellite offices in East, West and Central. Their mission is to support the African music sector through promoting knowledge exchange and creating opportunities and capacity for music professionals. I'm Shotgun Talk, and if you're an indie artist whose passion for what you do can inspire or fuel others, get in touch. I'd love to chat. You can find me on my website at shotguntory.com. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts. Today's today, still no time to play. What's those practice on the bars?
Let's go. 